0: It is November 19th, and you are listening to Fight Me, a mixed martial arts news and opinion podcast. This is our fifth episode, so if you've been listening up to now, you probably know that by now. Eventually, I'll stop saying it. Who knows? Let's get crazy with it. This is our fifth episode. We've had a good weekend. Uh, a good week, not just in mixed martial arts, but in life in general. It's nice out there. Uh, I live in Atlanta, Georgia. We don't get much of a winter, but it's starting to get a little chilly, so we're busting out the jackets. Uh, we did have a, a pretty warm Sunday today, so I got to go to a park, hang out with the girlfriend, hang out with my dog. You guys got dogs at home? Talking to you, my listeners. Uh, I'm going to get to know each and every one of you, and you know, since I only have about... 7 to 30 listens per episode, I might know all of you. So, let's let's talk. If you're not dog people, that's fine. If you're cat people, eh, whatever, I'll get over it. But uh, one thing is for sure, you are a fan of mixed martial arts. Otherwise, you wouldn't be listening to me ramble on for anywhere between 30 minutes to an hour about the week in mixed martial arts. So, let's get right to it. Uh we had a really fun uh UFC fight night in uh Buenos Aires, uh Argentina. Um a historic event, you know, uh, coming off the wake of um the UFC twenty five year anniversary, uh going back in the hometown of Denver, Colorado, ending with that crazy backwards, upwards facing away elbow from Yair Rodriguez. Uh pretty uh, pretty awesome event uh taking nothing away from this event in Argentina, an entirely different thing. Uh taking MMA to Argentina for the first time uh with a great um ambassador for the sport in uh and Santiago Panzanibio as he get, went off against Neil Magny in the uh headlining bout. But before we get to that, let's kind of go over some of the other fights on the card. Uh some great fights all over the place. Um uh, you know, not uh not necessarily edge of your seat fights uh from beginning to end on the card but some some really great fights uh some fights that were a little on the boring side some of the standouts in my opinion though uh Ian Heinisch really showcasing his skills uh defeating Cesar Ferreira um putting on an awesome uh show and a really marketable dude um given his backstory the UFC has not shied away from his backstory I really see them leaning into it the more that uh Heinish starts to show uh, what he can do in the sport and as he starts to you know really prove himself as a commodity I really see them leaning into his backstory if you don't know anything about his uh his story he got tied up in the drug trade ended up doing some time at Rikers uh, uh max security prison uh Ended up being basically marked for death. No, that's not just me naming Steven Seagal movies. That's actually something that happened to this guy. A um, uh, hit was put out on him by the drug cartel. Uh, he was taken out of um, Rikers, uh, put into protection. Uh, just a just a crazy story. And a really awesome tale of redemption. And uh, people love to see that. And they also love to see intense ground and pound and uh skillful submissions which is something that heinish showcased in spades so a super impressive showing on his uh on his half and you know love to see what the ufc can do with him in the future this is really a point in the ufc where we need to start building superstars and um we need to kind of get back to the basics and people who can um really uh show more of a, a wholesome quality it can really appeal to children and uh not necessarily children but you know what i mean uh, i don't think ian heinish will be giving any talks at elementary schools anytime soon but uh it's nice to see a, a story like that and uh coupled with a performance like that you, you gotta you gotta give the guy somebody a little further up the line in his next fight uh next we had johnny walker uh a awesome up and coming Brazilian. Uh, I know. I don't, I don't know if you're like me, but the whole time I was thinking Johnny. His Brazilian name is Johnny Walker. It's a, It sounds like <laughs> like Brazilian parents like trying to figure out how they can get their kid to like uh, do well in America. Let's name him Johnny Walker. That'll work. Uh, super American name. Uh, six six uh, light heavyweight. Uh, actually, coming into his bout against Khalil Roundtree as a slight underdog, you got to assume that has a whole lot to do with Khalil Roundtree's last outing against Gokan Saki, in which he was an underdog, and just smashed Gokan Saki. looked absolutely terrifying, uh, looked great in that fight. Uh, not something he was able to reproduce uh, in his fight against... Johnny Walker, though. That dude's a beast. Dude fights like a 6'6". Six, six. I mean, 6'6 six, six is big for a heavyweight. It's absolutely monstrous for a light heavyweight. Uh, so it'd be... It was, and given that 205 is a weight class in which they really need star power right now, they're really trying to build that stuff. It doesn't hurt that the guy was able to get on the mic, uh, be funny and clever... Uh, crack some jokes all in really great English. I believe he was able to also bust out some Spanish for the South American audience, even though neither is his first language. Uh, so that's definitely a dude to look forward to, uh, really showcasing his ability to fight at range, really showcasing his ability to fight in close with knees from the clinch, uh, super impressive all across the board. Um, what else did we have? Um, real quick. Oh yeah, we had a uh, awesome bout versus uh, Darren Elkin and Ricardo Lamas. Quite the opposite of a uh, of young up and comers like in our last fight that we talked about. Uh, two pros, two uh, two veterans of the sport. Uh, really putting on an awesome show for the people in Argentina. Um Darren Elkins ultimately uh picking up the L to Ricardo Lamas, but a great fight nonetheless. Uh super fun showing. Don't really know what it does for either of them in the in their standings. Um but nonetheless just uh, one of those really awesome fights that uh that's just fun to watch. Uh, Marlon Vera, uh, picking up the win over Guido Canetti. I actually had that as one of, uh, one of my favorite fights of the night because I love, uh, turnaround story. Um, you know, I love seeing the guy come, come back from, uh, from a bad round and, um, Guido Canetti really, uh, took it to Marlon Vera. Uh, Guido Canetti being the hometown boy from Argentina himself, um, Really putting on a good showing against Marlon Vera in the first round. Marlon Vera came back, uh, whatever his corner told him to do, he paid attention. Uh, Coming back in one of the great, you know, one of the best comebacks I've seen in a little while now. Uh, Really taking it to Guido Canetti. uh, Taking it to him with some great stand-up. Ultimately securing the rear naked choke to end that one. Uh then we have uh women's catch weight bout, I believe it was supposed to be a featherweight bout. I think Cynthia Calvio was not able to make one fifteen. Not exactly sure what happened there. There was some uh definitely some fuckery afoot. But it um Yeah, it's just a bummer that she wasn't able to make the weight because it was super impressive uh first round submission against uh Pollyanna Boteo. Uh, Botelho, maybe, uh, not a hundred percent sure how to pronounce that one, but, uh, you know, hopefully this doesn't really stop her, um, her rise at one fifteen. We can definitely use some, uh, some new contenders at, uh, at the women's straw weight, uh, straw weight, weight class there. Um, and then let's, uh, move on to the... Uh, headlining, uh, fight of the night, which if you couldn't tell by the audience, it was about 3 a.m. when this fight went on, uh, what better way to, you know, really bring the sport and showcase what the excitement of, uh, of mixed martial arts action is all about, uh, by having a local fight at three in the morning. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm, I'm sure they kind of resent the fact that they're doing it solely for us, uh, us viewers at home, but jokes on them because it was only like 1 a.m. when I saw it, and I was still teetering on falling asleep. That wasn't until the fight actually started, and I'm sure uh, Santo, Santiago Ponzinibbio also did a pretty good job of waking up the fans there in the arena uh, himself, just putting on uh, an awesome showcasing of his striking, doing exactly what we expected him to do, uh, just cutting Neil Magny down with uh, with leg kicks, ultimately getting the finish. Uh, but you know, honestly, I wasn't wasn't really stoked on seeing it. It was pretty much what I expected. I want to see Santiago Ponzinibbio against some top tier talent. Uh, nothing against Neil Magny, but the the dude isn't isn't the kind of fight I would pick for a beast like Santiago Ponzinibbio at this point in his career. Can we finally start seeing him up against some of the top ten guy or top five guys? Um can we start can we see him against a Darren Till? Uh I know a lot of the top five guys are tied up right now. Uh you know, Darren Till is not, but it's not really clear uh it's not really clear to whether or not he's going to continue fighting at 170. He says he is. It doesn't really seem like it's the best uh move for him right now. But he's given no indication that he truly does plan on going up to a 185, even though it would probably be the recommended move for him, probably the smart choice. Uh, but Santiago Ponzinibbio is undergoing uh, sort of the stress that Kamara Usman was going uh, up against uh, not too long ago, just at the beginning of the year, really. Nobody... Uh, in the top tier, wanted to fight him. He finally got Kamara Usman. Finally got that uh, that chance when he went up against Damian Maya, and has been on the way up ever since. Uh, has a bout coming up against uh, Dos Anjos, or yeah, Dos Anjos. Um, I love love to love that fight. Love to see him against RDA. Uh, RDA has, could really use the win now, and uh, it's probably going up against one of the in my opinion, without a doubt, the biggest challenge at 170 besides Tyron Woodley right now. Kamaru Osman has, frankly, been the boogeyman at 170 for a while now, and that's why nobody would fight him. Uh, and I believe that um, Santiago Ponzinibbio is undergoing the same thing right now. Hopefully this win against Magny will uh, move him up in the ranks. That fight against Till would be great, but honestly I'd like to see him up against anybody who will fight him at this point but we won't really know what is going to happen there for sure until things start, sort of start to shake out at 170 uh with Tyron facing up against Colby and uh, RDA versus Camaro you you got to say even though I'd love to see uh, Santiago versus either RDA or um Usman uh I just don't see if especially Usman ones. I don't see anything for him besides the title shot after that. That dude has certainly earned it. I just wish they would give the same shot to Ponzinibbio. Uh, hopefully he will get it after this uh, decisive victory in his hometown. Uh, hopefully they got the results they were looking for as far as getting him to further build that Argentinian uh, fan base, build the excitement for continue to build the excitement for mixed martial arts in, uh, in South America. I know, you know, boxing is still King in places like that. Uh, besides Brazil, I would say, um, mixed martial arts really hasn't taken a huge foothold in, uh, in South America. So hopefully that did a lot to really pique the interest of, uh, those people. It certainly seemed to that night, even though the audience was, fairly quiet and lackluster up until the main event uh it seemed like seemed like a 50 hour event if you were watching it at home uh and that it started at 7 for us here but i assume it was around um i think i don't think the main card even started till about midnight or 1 in argentina so i can't imagine what those people were going through uh but nonetheless a great uh headlining event for that card um you know let's let's see what they have next for Santiago uh moving along to other exciting things in the uh welterweight weight class in the UFC uh we know now that uh Ben Askren has been slated to fight Robbie Lawler and don't get me wrong, that's an awesome uh that's an awesome fight. It's gonna be a, a great fight. I I'd like I definitely wanted to see Askren up against somebody who does have strong wrestling, Robbie Lawler, known for strong wrestling, but also has a lot of strong points that uh Ben Askren doesn't have. Uh I know Ben Askren isn't gonna wanna trade with a guy like Lawler, so don't get me wrong, that looks like an awesome fight. It's going to be a really interesting challenge for Ben Askren, right off the bat. But how do we? How are we giving Ben Askren, like the one guy who he did not call out? Like Ben Askren has called out everybody at welterweight, uh, from you know people who aren't even fighting, like George St Pierre, and Nick Diaz, uh, to Nate Diaz, to people that he doesn't have any shot a chance against fighting like um Khabib Magomedov who's certainly not going to uh go up to 170 anytime soon especially not up against a guy who has not fought in the UFC yet uh to you know calling out Darren Till and uh dudes like that which I I don't know about you guys at home but I have no interest in seeing Darren Till get taken down and laid on I want to see that guy get back on his feet, get a fight against a striker. That's why I think that Ponzinibbio fight would be the good one to make. Uh, For either fighters, at least answering some questions there. But, yeah, uh, basically, I don't really know who you put Ben Askren up against, ideally. I just know it should probably be somebody that he's been going back and forth with, somebody that's going to give him a little... um, give him a little fodder for uh for the back and forth. And Robbie Lawler isn't that guy. Robbie Lawler is not going to shit talk with him. Uh chances are those two dudes get along. They seem like uh pretty similar personalities. So I don't necessarily think that's the best uh the best thing. Now uh sticking in the welterweights. Although uh this next gentleman I'm talking about, I don't actually know what um Wait, he's gonna fight at yet because he is uh has just announced his entry into mixed martial arts. But uh, AJ Agazarm has been signed by Bellator. Um, if you don't know anything about this gentleman, uh, one of the top uh Brazilian jiu jitsu practitioners today, uh, admittedly, I'm not the biggest um. I'm not that knowledgeable in the world of uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, but I do know AJ Agazarm is considered amongst the elite of the elite. Uh, So for him to sign with Bellator is super interesting, especially since Bellator also has Dylan Danis. um, These two dudes, both Dylan Danis and AJ Agazarm, are super controversial or uh, super polarizing guys. Uh, They... It's well known that they don't like each other. Um, Dylan Danis has uh, found himself in the limelight lately, especially being uh, Conor McGregor's jujitsu coach. So that would be an awesome one, even though AJ Agazarm said earlier today on Ariel Helwani's podcast that he he didn't quite say that he has no interest in fighting Dylan Dennis, Uh but he said he'd he basically said he doesn't even want to talk about Dylan Danis or give him enough credit to put his name in, uh, in the media, which could even also just be a play to, uh, <laughs> to get the tension rolling and, the the fight happening. So yeah, that, that would be a, a fun one to see, uh, if he does enter into the Bellator's, uh, welterweight weight class, there's, uh, so many options for him there so that'd be a super interesting one to see um how that sort of shakes out given that Bellator has that uh 10 man uh welterweight tournament happening soon uh some super interesting fights happening there I'd I'd like to see you know obviously we need uh Exarm to get uh some more fights in mixed martial arts before he's going up against any of those guys. And now that I've said Agazarm uh, as many times as I have, it's made me realize every time I say it, I want to say Azkabam. Uh, I don't know, you know, AJ Azkazarm doesn't strike me as a JK Rowling's fan, but I keep, keep wanting to say the prisoners of Agazarm. Uh, AJ Azkabam. I'm sure he'd appreciate that. Uh, But yeah, that's, um, you know, that's pretty much Bellator's MO right now is to keep bagging up these uh, young up and comers and people who are at the top of their sports in other aspects of combat sports and taking them and building them into great MMA fighters. Sometimes it pays off. Uh, as it has started to with Aaron Pico, sometimes it doesn't necessarily pay off as we've kind of seen with, uh, baby slice and, uh, some other fighters that, that they've put the, uh, work and effort into. So we'll see how that one shakes out. Uh, moving on, uh, There has been some talk about a possible uh, return of Nick Diaz into the UFC. Uh, When I say there's been talk, I'm fairly sure this is just another uh, play by Dana White to get people talking about a fight uh, without it actually being um, a sure thing. I'm sure sure there's talks about it happening. Jorge Jorge Masvidal's camp has said that they have received a uh, bout agreement to face off against Nick Diaz. Uh, but Nick D- until I actually hear Nick Diaz himself talk about it, I'm not holding my breath on that one. Because uh, the Diaz brothers in general are not the kind of guys you can do that kind of play with. You can't just um, create the pressure in the media like you would be able to with some other fights and uh, sort of force them into it. Those guys, um, you know, nothing's more powerful than a fighter who's willing to walk away uh in in agreement and uh both those dudes, Nick and Nate Diaz, are not scared to just uh say fuck it and uh and not fight, especially since uh Nick Diaz was told that he was gonna be banned for five years. Uh then they told him that he wasn't actually banned for five years and he basically said, You know what? I'm gonna take the five years. So uh he's he's definitely the kind of dude you can't win with that kind of tactic. That being said, would I like to see Jorge Masvidal, uh, Nick Diaz fight? Sure. Uh, that, you know, Masvidal is a good litmus test for anybody entering back into the world of uh, mixed martial arts or entering back into the UFC after a long layoff. Uh, he's definitely a good guy to uh, test yourself against. And make sure you still have it. Um and I'm sure he wants it It uh, would be great for um great for masvedal um since you know since um Diaz is definitely somebody already in the public ethos somebody a lot of people already know. Uh, would definitely sort of catapult his name to the next level, especially if he's able to pick up a win, depending on what Diaz looks like when he comes back. Of course, if Masvidal does win, then that'll start the talks of, well, he's not really the same guy he was, and all that stuff. But I I really don't think Masvidal cares too much about that. I think he just wants the high-profile fight. Um, With that being said, is Masvidal the guy I'd really like to see Diaz come back against? You know, kind of to an extent, because I'm one of those guys who really uh, wants to see mixed martial arts in general, but especially the UFC, get back to a merit-based system where you're fighting the best of the best. Um, when you come back to the UFC after a long layoff, or you know, you're new to mixed martial arts, uh, or you don't really deserve a title fight at this point in your career, cough, cough, Brock Lesnar... Uh I like to see you start off with some tune-up fights, fight the guys who make sense uh, and you know sort of fight your way back to the top. So uh, I do like that aspect of the Masvidal fight, uh but with the way the UFC has been working lately, it seems like they would want to give him somebody higher profile. I know that both uh Nick Diaz and Anderson Silva want that rematch. Um of the fight that took place in 2015 uh, that eventually became a, uh, eventually became a no contest. Uh, But it was initially, (coughs) initially a a Anderson Silva um, victory. Um, But eventually there's, now there's an asterisk on that win. So I know Silva wants it back. Uh, I know Diaz would like it. I've heard a lot of people say that they're not interested in that fight. I'm, I'm interested in it. It was a super entertaining fight at the time. I know neither of them is the same guy that they were, but you Silva's still fighting. He hasn't gone the way of BJ Penn. I'm not sad or scared to see him fight at any point. Um, he really seems to have come back not, not come back, but he's, he seems to be at a good place to take on guys like, uh, guys like Nick Diaz. I don't want to see him up against the baddest of the bad at 180. but yeah, I'd like to see him against, um, you know, guys closer to his age, especially a guy off a long layoff like, uh, Nick Diaz. I think that's the fight to make there. Uh, I definitely don't think he's going to get like a George St. Pierre or something like that uh when george st. pierre if george st. pierre is even is even considering taking fights in the ufc anymore which uh there's been a lot to say about that he's only going to fight people to further on his legacy you uh, sure nick diaz is on a lot of people's lips as one of the greatest of all time but the fact of the matter is he's never held a ufc belt uh he really has not done what he has to do to to become that, um, legacy builder. And that's all that, uh, GSP is interested in that being said, uh, who do you think's next for, uh, for George St. Pierre? Is it retirement? Is, uh, is he just going to be UFO spotting uh, as an old man or is he going to, continue to fight uh my guess is if he does have any fights left he has one or two fights and they're gonna have to be big high profile fights i do see him getting up for conor mcgregor because uh you know if you're gonna fight conor mcgregor for legacy you got to do it soon because i really you know i really don't see conor mcgregor being able to hold on to the steam he has now if he takes uh a couple more losses or even one one more loss if his next fight is uh is not a victory i really don't uh i really don't see him still carrying that kind of weight so i could see not only could i see uh gsp getting up for that fight i could see gsp handily winning that fight that would be an easy uh not an easy victory for him but that would be a favorable match for uh george st pierre for sure um that being said you know we're talking about diaz's so um i've been thinking about what could possibly be next for uh nate diaz um obviously he doesn't really it doesn't really feel like he has to fight it feels like he's kind of um He's kind of in that same zone where he's only gonna get up for things that really entertain him. He seems to kind of be over the UFC at this point. Um uh, we didn't get that Poye fight. Maybe that will happen again. But hear me out. We're in the world of uh trades now. And uh you know, if the UFC is starting to get tired of Nadia's Nadia is starting to get tired of the UFC. Let's pull Nadia's over to um Let's pull Nadia's over to Bellator. Let's do a trade. Uh, Yeah, I'm sure Bellator would have to be fairly crazy to want to do that. But, um, you know, I think if the pot were sweet enough, they certainly would. Um, I don't know. Um, There's all sorts of uh, possible trades that you could set up uh, for that to make sense for the UFC. I personally think, like, uh, Nate Diaz is a super bankable uh, fighter, uh, so you would probably have to do a... You know, Bellator would probably have to trade a couple guys for somebody like him, but you bring over, like, Michael Chandler and Fedor from Bellator uh, for for Nate Diaz, I think that would be an awesome trade. And, um, you know, I really hope we start to see more of these. But, you know, Fedor... It, as much as uh, as much as people act like he's not UFC caliber, whatever that means, uh, the heavyweight division in the UFC is going to be a super weird landscape after uh, Daniel Cormier retires. And if you believe him, he's going to retire after this Brock Lesnar fight. So, if that happens, if uh, if Brock Lesnar can pass his uh, his Usada tests, and that actually happens and daniel cormier retires what do you really have at heavyweight in the ufc if stephen Miocic, is is he going to is he going to come back and reclaim his title and always be called the paper champion because uh he never got that rematch against uh daniel cormier you got to spice things up a little bit and if you bring back uh one of the greatest if you bring one of the greatest of all times for the first time in the ufc that would be huge and um you know sweeten the pot with uh Michael Chandler and you have a great uh a great trade there Michael Chandler being one of the in my opinion one of the greatest uh mixed martial arts fighters to never fight in the UFC uh unfortunately he would be fighting in probably one of the most um stacked divisions in the UFC 155 but he would be, easily be a top five competitor in the UFC. So that is uh that is my hopes and wishes, but pretty much just that. It'll probably never actually happen. Uh, so I'm going to move on to my final segment of the night. Uh but I'm going to start it out a little different. Uh, I'm doing a segment called IDGAF. Uh <laughs> is where I uh pose my fight me point of the week, which if you're just now viewing, uh, tuning in for the first time, uh, every week I present to you, my listeners, one of my hard opinions, and I encourage you to get on social media and fight me about it. Get on Twitter with a uh, hashtag MMA fight me or just at me at at MMA fight me. At Twitter, MMA Fight Me on Instagram, and MMA Fight Me on Facebook. Uh, but this week, I'm going to pose my MMA Fight Me point of the week to uh, someone who does not give a shit about mixed martial arts. I'm going to pick somebody different every week, uh, whether it's my m- sweet, sweet mom, or my sister, or my seven year old niece, uh, <laughs> or. Just a random person that I met at a bar who is really trying not to talk to me and trying really hard not to make eye contact and I won't stop talking to him, to them about the exciting world of mixed martial arts. Uh, anybody I choose. Uh, this week it's going to be my girlfriend who is one of the funniest human beings that I am blessed to know. Uh, so bear with me because this is a brand new segment uh, but... Please join me, ladies and gentlemen, for the first install installment of I-D-G-A-F. All right, so now that I've explained way too much, way too thoroughly, when I could have probably just rolled with it, uh, let me introduce my girlfriend, Mallory Dene.
1: What's up?
0: That's not really how she talks, guys. <laughs> I don't know what she's doing right now. <laughs> how do you like my uh studio
1: uh i feel like i'm in an r kelly music video (laughs)
0: because
1: we're in the fucking closet
0: yeah it might also be because i've been peeing on you since we started recording
1: oh i thought you were trying to tell me something about being in the closet
0: (laughs) well let's not let's not unpack too much of our relationship right now uh we are in the closet though guys so uh just to Please kinda... stop peeing on me. <laughs> I will not. Oh, she's always trying to tell me what to do. Okay, so uh, you know what uh, you know what we're doing here, Mallory. You know I brought you here in this closet.
1: I'm just supposed to tell you that I don't give a fuck.
0: Yeah, basically, um, you're not gonna be able to pick up on her eye rolling, because you're just listening to the audio version of this, and there is no video version of it yet. Uh, Because Mallory won't let me install a camera in our closet for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, this is where I. uh, Just
1: on the outside of the closet, not on the inside.
0: (laughs) Uh, Well, now that you know what I do in this closet. um, uh, So, this is the segment where I introduce my fight me point of the week which I get really into the weeds about something nerdy about the world of mixed martial arts and today it's going to be really boring are you ready for that I mean I do date you so I am used to that Mm -hmm. Uh, most guys uh, think about baseball when they're trying not to come during sex I actually just talk about golf (laughs) when we're having sex it's super boring uh Um, So today we're going to talk about um, the administrative and uh, technical side of mixed martial arts. We're going to talk about the judging, which um, you probably could not give a shit less about. But uh, my fight me point of the week is that mixed martial arts uh, from now on needs at least two judges. More than one for sure. We have uh, one guy. In charge of not just the safety, but the livelihood of these fighters. I don't know if you know Mallory, but most fighters make uh, a show purse and a win purse.
1: Well, it's a Uh, purse. Do they give them a purse? (laughs) Yeah,
0: they have like a shiny, sequining purse. No, it's the money they make when they win.
1: Why do they call it a purse?
0: Uh, I assume like in the 1800s, like when you won a boxing match, someone just handed you a bag full of doubloons or golden coins of some sort and that might have been called a purse. That's
1: just very ironic the most masculine sport you can think of when they get a yeah, purse. They're all the fighting for it. they're fighting over a
0: purse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> Is it like Seinfeld where he's yeah. carrying around a purse but really it's a European carry-all?
0: <laughs> yeah no, exactly. Well, they 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 went back and forth with whether with what they were going to call it. Uh the original uh term they were going to use was zizzles zazzle
1: Why? Uh, That's that <laughs> so, so dumb. You made that yeah, up. Made that okay. Up 100%. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
0: just trying to think of something even less feminine than purse. Um or even more feminine than purse. Um so yeah, they get uh they get a show purse and then a win purse, which is equal to their show purse. So, like the livelihood of these dudes, depends on winning that fight. Like a lot of the younger or um, newer fighters will make twenty to show twenty grand to show twenty grand if they win. So.
1: Well, my question is like, is there like designer purses then, or oh man, are we just gonna be purses? are we just gonna
0: be doing this for for like <laughs> the entirety? You brought um, up
1: purses; it's the only time I'm interested. Can,
0: <laughs> would it make it easier if every time I was talking about a purse, I just said zizzle zazzle? No. Okay. How about money?
1: I just want to talk about purses.
0: I know you do, and we're in the closet, and you probably have purses in here. I don't really know. Uh, but can we, can we move on? Yeah. All right. (laughs) So they make like half of their, uh, half of their money uh, off of winning. So if a judgment goes wrong, um, then if a, if a judgment goes wrong, then they're robbed of half their money, which is really the biggest grievance. I don't think, you know, I am sure some of them are pretty upset about the fact that there's a loss on their record, but the fact that they, or their family has robbed of that money. It's a pretty big deal. Uh, so it's all up to one referee who's just kind of walking around these guys. And, you know, and I don't know if you know anything about the referees in mixed martial arts, but they don't really make that much money either. So the incentive isn't really that huge to be that good at their job. But lately there's been a lot of uh, issues. There was a guy who was in a choke, Um, but he was totally not unconscious and he wasn't tapping out and the referee stopped the fight and, uh, ward the wind to the guy who was choking when the guy who was being choked was totally fine. Uh, so if they would be able to, if they would have a guy outside of the cage watching, um, watching from outside or watching the TV monitor, um, and, you know, go back and, uh, review those sort of things then we wouldn't have problems like this. So my fight me point of the week is there should be at least two referees in mixed martial arts. Mallory, do you agree? Do you disagree? Or do you not give a fuck?
1: I zoned out when you were talking. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, uh,
1: two referees
0: <laughs> Yeah, more than one referee. There should be more. There's just one guy who's who's there should in be two. There's this... a lot going yeah. on. Yeah, there's a whole lot going I'm on. I'm not
1: a dumb girl that only cares about purses. I do watch the fights, for the record.
0: Yeah. There's a lot going on. Well, if you didn't on. care about this, I wouldn't think you were dumb. I would just think you didn't care. Well,
1: I'm just making it clear to the audience that I can love purses and watch MMA.
0: Right. Oh, yeah. we all agree with that. I'm sure there's <laughs> plenty of MMA fighters who love purses. Not only... Are there plenty of female MMA fighters, but you have to assume there's plenty of male MMA fighters who can't talk about their love of purses.
1: Right, exactly. Yeah. No, there should be there should be two referees. Is that yeah. even on the table?
0: I don't think so. The, the argument that I've heard is that it would they don't they can't pay another referee, which kind of sounds crazy. That's not
1: true. Yeah. That's not true at all.
0: Yeah, that's, like, the, the argument that everybody uses. Like, oh, they would have to have... Not only would they... Because they, they can't do... have like They have to have several referees for one fight card because they can't, like, do back-to-back-to-back-to-back. To back to back to back Is
1: there matches. any sport that has two referees?
0: Oh, like, almost every other sport. Okay. Well, I mean, you know, but that, those are, like, ball-and-stick sports. Like, football.
1: I just wonder if... It, I could just see like, cause that could be a pissing contest or one referee thinks something and the other one is and like, then
0: they get into no, it I
1: was going to let it go on further. Yeah. Like, and then that they sounds... start fighting. Right. That's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. So that seems.
0: I can't imagine what their purse is. All right, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there you have it. I think that there should be at least two referees in every mixed martial arts bout. Uh, let me know how you feel about it. Uh, agree or disagree, feel free to fight me about it. I've been Anthony Tadero. This is my wonderful girlfriend, Mallory Denae.
1: I just want to get out of this closet.
0: No, we're staying in the closet, <laughs> goddammit. it. <laughs> Please tune in next week, and as always, if you don't like it, Fight me about it.